Hello, and welcome to Crystal Clear Finances, where we understand finances can be confusing, but we also believe they don't have to be. My name is George Langdon V. As many of you know, I go by five. I'm an MBA financial advisor here at Crystal Clear Finances and your host for the next 30 minutes as we provide clarity for financial confidence. Now, before I jump into it, I do want to wish you all a belated happy Thanksgiving. I know in this world, things can just constantly seem negative, so it is great to take at least a day to be thankful for all that we do have, whether it's finances, relationships, health, or simply just waking up that morning. Happy Thanksgiving. Now, with this time of year also comes our year-end checklist. So while everybody's counting down to Christmas, here at Crystal Clear Finances, we're counting down to make sure that all of our items are checked off for all of our clients. So the first thing that we are looking at is required minimum distributions, or RMD. A required minimum distribution is simply the amount of money that the government requires you take out of your IRA before 12 before the end of the year. So the funds have to leave the account by December 31st for those that it applies to. And we'll talk about who it applies to in a second. What they do to calculate the required minimum distribution though is first they take your year-end balance. So for 2023, we're looking at the value of an account on 12-31-2022. That is going to be one of the primary factors that we use in calculating how much you need to take out. The second piece that we look at, or the second factor in the calculation, is the age. So with the IRS, they have a table, and every age that has a required minimum distribution also has a factor. And what happens is they take the value of the account by at the end of the year, so on 12-31, and then they take your age and its associated factor, and they divide that factor into the account. So when you just reach your time of required minimum distribution, it's a larger factor, making it a smaller percentage of the account that needs to come out of it. And as you get older, the factor gets smaller and smaller, so you have to take bigger and bigger pieces out of the account. The next thing is, who does it apply to? So required minimum distributions they don't apply to everybody. Instead, there's two primary places that it does apply. First is based off of age. So if you have an IRA and you've reached the age of 73 or older, <laughs> you would need to do a required minimum distribution. Of course, since I'm not meeting one-on-one, -on -one, I highly recommend meeting with a financial advisor or a tax preparer or a CPA to confirm in general, if you're over the age of 73 and you have a tax-deferred account, it would mean that you have a required minimum distribution. So you're going to want to make sure 
that if you're over that age, that you're talking with a financial professional to see, do I? And if so, how much do I need to take? The other factor that's going to come in is when you've inherited money from a tax-deferred or a tax-advantaged account. For instance, if you were the beneficiary, a non-spouse beneficiary, of an IRA. So whether that rich uncle passed away or it was mom and dad passed away and you were left as the beneficiary on an IRA, you would have received that by opening an inherited beneficiary IRA account. That typically has a required minimum distribution associated with it. Now, the rules with an inherited beneficiary IRA or an inherited beneficiary Roth IRA, because even those have RMDs, those get a little bit trickier and a bit more in depth. I do highly recommend meeting with a financial advisor or a tax professional to go over what is applicable in your situation, as well as strategy to make sure that you're not saving at all for the end and then having to take a large lump sum at the end. So those are who it applies to. So we know that it's age-based if you're over the if you're age 73 or over. And we also know that if it's an inherited account, it's most likely going to apply in either of those situations. Now, why is this important? Why does this become such a big piece and a big priority for pretty much every financial advisor? I know for us, we start making phone calls around October. Well, that's because if the funds don't leave by the end of the year, so if the funds have not left by December 31st, there's a penalty. Now, previously, it used to be 50%. Now it's down to 25%, but that's still a large percentage. So for example, if you had a $1,000 RMD or required minimum distribution, and you said, ah, I'm not going to take it this year. I don't need the money. Well, that's great, but the IRS is going to tag that account or tag you with a $250 penalty because that's 25% of the $1,000. So we want to make sure that we get it out because Otherwise, we're going to be handling a large penalty. Now, the next thing when we're talking about our year-end checklist is when we start talking about qualified contributions or contributions to your 401k, 403b, deferred comp, IRA, Roth IRA, the list goes on, <laughs> seemingly. The first place that we want to look is when we're talking about company-sponsored. Uh, qualified contributions. So that's the ones through your work. That's the 401k. When we look at those, we want to make sure that if our plan was to max that contribution out, that we're on track to doing it by the end of the year. Now, keep in mind too, that if you're over the age of 50, there's a little catch-up provision in there that allows you to go over the normal limit. So if you want to max it out, Keep in mind that if you're over 50, you have a catch-up allowance. This one, we definitely want to make sure it's done and on track by the end of the year. The next one is for your IRA, whether it's a Roth, traditional, whatever it may be. Now, IRA stands for Individual Retirement Account. 
So it's on the individual base. So like the company plan is the 401k, the individual plan is the IRA. And what we want to do with this one is if we want to contribute, we want to make sure that we're doing it in a timely manner. But with these comp with these plans or with these accounts, we have a little bit more leniency. We actually have till the federal tax deadline the following year. So if you wanted to contribute for 2023, you actually have until a little bit into 2024 to make that contribution. But if it's something that you're looking to do, it's important to make sure that that's on your radar because they don't let you do it forever. There is a deadline. And after that, it could be a lost contribution year. The limits for this year is $6,500 if you're under the age of 50. And if you're 50 and older, it's $7,500. So those are the two qualified contribution pieces that we're going to want to make sure that we're keeping track of and saying, hey, do we need to make this contribution? If it's the company side, do we need to make it soon? If it's the individual side, we need to make sure that it's at least on our radar because that timeline won't last forever. <laughs> the next thing that's on our on our agenda or our checklist for the end of the year is tax loss harvesting. Now, you may be saying, what's that? Well, tax loss harvesting is simply when we say, look at all the gains that we've realized within this taxable account. And then saying, hey, we have some unrealized gains or unrealized losses in the same account or in a different account that's also taxable. And what we say is, hey, we want to offset. We want to lower the reportable gains. So what we do is we take some of the losses and we do what's called realizing them. So we make those sales, even though the it may be down, so that way we can offset some of the gains that took place in the account. So that may be something that applies to you. And it's something that's on our checklist as we talk with our clients. The last, but most definitely not the least, is our charitable gifting. So at the end of the year, it's great because everybody seems to be in a charitable mood, right? Because it's that time of year and we're celebrating God who is a charitable person, in my opinion, or a charitable God, in my opinion. And in that case, what we want to do is we want to make sure that any of the charitable gifting that we had planned or that has come up that we feel that we need to do, that it gets done before that 1231 so it can count for our 2023 taxes. Now, one item that I did not mention, and I'm jumping back to the required minimum distribution conversation, is when you have multiple IRAs. So when you have multiple IRAs, let's pretend you have an IRA that has a required minimum distribution of $1,000, and then a re an IRA that has a required minimum distribution of $2,000. You can actually take $3,000 from just the one IRA, and it would satisfy both. But the key here, and it's very important that the calculation is proper, the key here is that you take enough to cover both required minimum distributions. Another piece when we're talking about multiple accounts for required minimum distributions is that when we talk about inherited IRAs, 
or beneficiary IRAs. That is not a, hey, if I take it from one, we're all good. That is an individual basis. So while our individual or our normal traditional rollover IRA accounts, we can take the money, the requirement of distribution from just one, the beneficiary side of things, we need to make sure that we take from the specific account that's requiring it. So when we're talking about our year-end checklist, we're talking about our required minimum distributions. We're talking about what are they? Well, it's the amount of money that the government requires you to take or they're going to penalize it. How are they calculated? They're going to use your 1231 account value along with your age, the factor that's associated with it, to decide how much you need to take. So it is going to change year to year. Who does it apply to? Anybody over the age of 73 or that has a non-spouse beneficiary IRA? Chances are it applies to you. Highly recommend consulting a financial advisor or a tax preparer or CPA. And lastly, why do we want to take it? Because if we don't, we get penalized, as if we took it anyway. So let's get go ahead and make sure we take it. We also talked about qualified contributions and making sure that we reach our goals as far as did we want to max it out? Are we aware that if we're over the age of 50, there's a catch-up allowance when it comes to the company plan? We want to make sure that, hey, we, we have a little bit of leniency with that individual qualified account, but there's it's still a deadline, and we want to make sure we're prepared or preparing to, uh, to make that contribution. We want to take a look at our taxable accounts and say, does any tax loss harvesting need to take place? Do we need to offset some gain with some loss to make sure that our taxable income goes down on this? And lastly, is our charitable donations and making sure that any donations that we needed or that we wanted to do, that we wanted to count for 2023, have taken place or will take place by the end of the year. So that's our checklist for 2023 year end. We'll be taking a 60 second break, but then we'll come back with how do we step off on the right foot for 2024? All I want for Christmas are my two front teeth and a financial plan that works. This is Crystal Langdon with today's Financial Gem. Financial plans are not one and done. They evolve over time to keep in tune with your changing goals. Although they continue to point in the right direction, consideration for adjustments should be given as options and new improved investment tools become available. Make sure your financial plan is growing with you and is something that you want on your Christmas list. Call 518-433-7181 today and let's schedule that financial appointment for you. And we're back with more Crystal Clear Finances, providing clarity so you can have confidence for every financial decision. Before the break, we were talking about our year-end checklist. First, we talked about required minimum distributions. What are they? Well, it's simply the amount of money that the government requires you to take from your IRA each year. How are they calculated? 
They use a factor that's associated with your age, as well as the account value from 1231 prior year. And then who does it apply to? Well, traditionally, it's going to apply to anybody 73 or older, or most people with an inherited IRA, whether that's a traditional or Roth, they'll both apply typically. And lastly, why is it so important? Well, if we don't take those funds out by 1231, the government's going to put a penalty on them. So even though you didn't get the money, you're going to pay a penalty if, if it was required. Then we talked about qualified contributions. So we talked about the company side, which is the 401k, 403b, the deferred comp, and making sure that we're on track to meet our contribution goals by the end of the year. And as a reminder, if you're 50 or older, there is a catch-up allowance in there. And then we talked about the individual side or the IRA, individual retirement account. We talked about how there's a little bit more leniency, right? We have till the federal tax deadline, but we want to make sure that if that's a plan of ours, that we're, we've got the steps in motion to make sure we reach that goal. Then we talked about tax loss harvesting. Whether that's an applicable strategy for you or not, I would highly recommend that you meet with a financial advisor to decide. And then charitable gifts making sure that all the donations that you wanted to make take place in by the end of the year so they can count for you in 2023. Now, now that we've talked about what do we do to finish up the year right and finish it strong, how do we step on a good foot? How do we put our best foot forward going into 2024? Now, I know this is usually saved for a few weeks from now for our New Year's Eve or New Year's show. But I find that looking at it and creating a plan now can help so that way when it is New Year's and it is time to put those resolutions in place, we already have the plan. So that being said, the first step is planning. <laughs> so when we're looking at planning, one of the things that I highly recommend, and one of the things that my wife and I do every year actually, is we sit down and we look at what happened last year. Now, it's probably not going to surprise many of you that I'm quite the spreadsheet person. So every year I start out with a projection of this is what our income will be and this is what our expenses will be and I have them all line items and this is what our savings will be and all of that fun stuff. <laughs> what we do though is we look back and say, okay, so we're about the end of the year. Are we meeting those goals? This is what was projected. Where are we? Now, one of the reasons why I feel that this is such an important thing to do is because it allows us to highlight things that maybe were overlooked. Maybe we didn't realize that, hey, there's going to be a reoccurring payment of X amount of dollars every year. And it just, with all the different line items that I wrote down, got lost in the jungle. <laughs> or, hey, there was an emergency that needed to be handled. It shouldn't need to be handled again. Great example of this is I had to have some trees cut down. I shouldn't need to cut those, those trees down again. <laughs> They're already down. But 
it was it's a good explanation of saying, okay, so maybe this is why savings wasn't that. So one of the first things when we're looking at planning is actually looking back and saying, what happened? Did things work? Did things go as planned or did they not? And if they didn't, why not? So we can identify the cause and then we can correct it. So when we're looking at getting 2024 off to a good start, let's look at 2023 and see where did we fall short and where did we excel? Because just like there's places where we fell short, there's definitely places where we excelled. Now, that being said, it's also a good time to start thinking about what goals you want to put in place for 2024. My wife's big one is she wants to start a family vacation <laughs> for the three of us. My little girl and the my wife and I, we want to do a family vacation. So knowing that that's a goal has allowed me to already start working on my projections, surprise, surprise, and saying, okay, so this is how much we need to start looking at to put aside for that. So that's one thing. There's going to be personal goals, but then there's also going to be financial goals of whether I want to save X amount of dollars or I want to invest X amount of dollars, or maybe I want to cut expenses by X percentage. So looking at those goals is incredibly important. Now, while we're talking about goals, one of the things I'd really recommend is taking some time and identifying why they're goals. Because a lot of times I will find that clients will come in and say, five, this is a goal of mine. And I'll say, that's great. I love the goal. Why? And if, if you don't have a reason, you won't, one, have the same conviction towards it, right? But two, you may not be doing it for the right purpose, or it may not be a goal that really matters to you, but it's just a goal you were told that should matter to you. So while we're looking at 2024 and even beyond, taking a step back and saying, what do I want to see happen? And then why do I want to see it happen? Because that's going to allow you to either A, say, you know what? Actually, it's not really a goal of mine. It doesn't matter to me. Or it may say, yeah, I'm now I have some conviction behind this. And that should increase the likelihood of you actually achieving it because you have a reason for it. You have your why. Okay. So, we definitely want to start looking at planning, and planning starts, in my opinion, by looking back and saying what worked, what didn't, and let's put things in place to fix the things that didn't and to continue the things that did great. Then setting goals for 2024 and saying, okay, we're, we want this. Why do we want this? That's why we want this. And making sure that that happens and having the conviction to follow through with those goals. Now that we have talked about the planning, right, which is looking back, and we talked about the goal setting and understanding why those are goals, the next step is to start looking at what's the best way to accomplish those. Now, obviously, I believe that the why seek counsel of many. So I would highly suggest you sharing these with your financial advisor and saying, hey, these are my goals. What are you, what do you think is the best way to accomplish these? Right? Because it may be a different type of account. 
One of the things that we talk about is asset location and asset allocation, right? So if your goal is, five, I want to buy a house in 2024. Well, I'm probably not, and now this is not advice, but I'm probably not going to be looking at the market and being high growth oriented, right? Because we want to make sure that those funds would be safe and highly liquid for you. So that way, once the opportunity, once the house that's going to be your home is available, you have the ability to pull the funds and you know what's in the account, how much it's worth, and we're not dependent on what's going on in the market for that, okay? The other thing that we want to look at is, so that's asset allocation, right? We want to make sure that the things that need to be safe are safe. And the things that are going to be more long-term maybe are more growth-oriented. That's going to be independent and specific to each individual, which is a good thing for us to sit down and talk about. But then the next thing is asset location, right? So we want to take the time and say, hey, I could have a money market in my IRA, but if I'm going to use those funds to go buy a house, it's probably not a good idea if I'm under the age of 59 and a half because they're not liquid right? Because there's that penalty for that distribution. So this is where we want to make sure that first we do the planning. We look back and say, what worked? What didn't? Then we look and say, what do we want to see going forward? And then we work together to say, now, how do we place all these things together? How do we build this plan that not only meets the need of 2024, but also going forward and beyond 2024. So I am looking at the time and I am realizing that we are running out of it. Uh, just like the end of the year, we're towards the end of the show. <laughs> that being said, I'd like to take a moment and just summarize the different items that we've talked about today. So again, we started talking by identifying the 2023 year-end checklist. We talked about required minimum distributions. That's the amount of money that the government requires you to take out of your IRA. It's calculated using your age and the account value as of 1231 previous year. We talked about who does it apply to. Traditionally, people that are 73 or older or people that have an inherited IRA, whether it's a traditional or Roth, it would apply typically to them. I highly recommend consulting a financial advisor to confirm for your situation. We talked about why it's so important because if we don't take the funds, we'll be penalized in by the IRS. We talked about qualified contributions, both on a company plan as well as on an individual account. We talked about tax loss harvesting where we use some of the unrealized loss in the account to offset some of the realized gain, and if that's an applicable situation or strategy for you. We talked about charitable gifts and the importance of making sure that we put in those requests and get those donations out in time so that way they can count for the proper, proper tax year. And then we talked about planning for 2024 
looking back on 2023, seeing what we liked, what we didn't like, adjusting those that we didn't like, and then amplifying the things that we did. We talked about setting goals and understanding why there are goals. So that way we can have true conviction as to why we have them, and that will help increase our likelihood of achieving them. And then lastly, we talked about asset allocation and location and working together to make sure that we build a plan to help meet those goals so that way you can have a successful financial plan. If you have any questions on how required minimum distributions or qualified contributions, charitable gifting, tax loss harvesting, planning for the future, how any of that applies to you and how that can be worked into a financial plan for you, please feel free, give, a, give our office a call at 518-433-7181 and tune in next Saturday as we continue to provide clarity so you can have confidence for every financial decision. Thank you and Merry Christmas. This program is for educational purposes only. We understand that finances are complex. Facing them alone causes stress, resulting in wrong choices, missing out on opportunities, and having to settle for a lower standard of living. At Crystal Clear Finances, our team approach focuses on providing clarity and confidence so you can make the right financial decisions. Investment advisory and financial planning services are offered through AlphaStar Capital Management, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Crystal Clear Finances and AlphaStar are separate and independent entities. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability.